Philippians 3, starting in verse 17. One of the most important passages that give uh, us is to be an example that we set before the world, before our families, and before our friends. And guys, I want us to understand how you lead and who you follow matters. How you lead and who you follow matters. In our, world, in our worldliness, we lead others to be worldly. In our negative, we lead others to be negative. When we are apathetic, we lead others to be apathetic. When we strive to be godly, though, we influence others to be godly. Amen? And we know the story of Paul. We know, uh, as last week, we learned that he was a runner and that he was striving forth to the finish line. I said at the end, can you imagine seeing Paul? His sweat is coming off his face. He's straining with every muscle that he has. He is stretching forth to Jesus at the finish line because he said, I could rest in my Christianity, but no, I want to be all that I can be for Jesus. And now he continues what he said. He says, as I follow Jesus, follow me. He said, I don't want you following me because I'm something special. Follow me as an example as I strive after Jesus Christ. Now, guys, there's all kinds of folks that we can follow today. There's all kinds of folks in this world that we tend to follow. I know our young people tend to follow people that they shouldn't, but I believe adults follow people that they shouldn't. And before you know it, you've been influenced negativity and negatively all in your life. And we got to be careful who we let into our life that influences us. Now, Paul said, let it be people like me that are following Jesus. Let it be people like Timothy that are following Jesus. Let it be us that are going to lead you up and not lead you down. But all of us have been where we lead and where we follow. But thank the Lord that Paul gave, uh, uh, that God gave us Paul as a godly example. He wanted for others to draw close to Christ. He wanted others to have joy, and he wanted others to receive rewards. He wanted others to go to heaven. How about you? Do you want other people to receive more recognition than you do? Do you want other people to have joy? Do you want other people to receive rewards? Do you want other people to draw close to Christ? And do you want other people to go to heaven? Amen? Let us look in verse 17. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He's talking about all the Christian brothers. He's talking about him. He's talking about Timothy. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, for whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Lord, thank you for the worship this morning. Thank you for the, uh, the sweet spirit in this place. Lord, it's a joy to see people worshiping. And Lord, it's contagious. And Lord, I pray, God, today that you continue on and do what you want to do. And Lord, I pray, God, that we decrease and that you get all the increase. In Jesus' name, amen. But if we are to live as godly examples, there's three things that I'm going to stand out, that stand out today. And these are not very extravagant, uh, but they're very simple. One 
is to follow godly examples. Two, avoid the worldly example. And three, keep our hearts on home. So one, we must follow godly examples. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul is stating that I am an example to those that are looking. He's pressing forward. He's going after the prize. He's seeking the high calling. And I'm telling you guys, those are the kind of people we need to go after. We need to be going after those people that are following Jesus. Now, it is easy to... To, to look at the people that are falling way behind, or it's easy to look at the people that are in sin. It's easy to look at the people that aren't really truly following Christ and compare ourselves to them. It's easy to sit there and say, guys, look at what they're doing. They're saved, so therefore I don't have anything else that I need to do in my life. I'm perfectly fine. I does, it doesn't matter because look where they are, God. But those aren't the people that we need to be looking at. First of all, our example is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate example. But Paul is a man example. You know, we can't be Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He is all-knowing. We're not God. And until we get to heaven and we get our perfected bodies, we, we can't do that here on earth. But Paul was a man just like you and me. He was just like us, and he was a great example of what it meant to be a Christian. And I believe that we should be trying to pattern ourselves after a man like Paul. And as he ran, let us run. The person who is truly following Jesus will lead you towards Jesus. And that's what we're going to understand. There is a lot of people all over this world, and even sometimes it creeps into our churches, that not everybody wants the best for you. You know that? Not everybody wants to lead you towards Jesus. Not everybody wants uh, you to have, have godliness. Some people that are absolutely living in sin want company with them. And if you're not careful and if you are not protective over your mind and your heart and your soul, before you know it, you have found yourselves in the hog pen just with everybody else. Now, God doesn't want us to be in the hog pen Guys, he wants us to be following him in righteousness and holiness. He wants us to be living towards him. But Jesus was perfection, and our goal is to be like him. But Paul was a human Christian example of an ideal missionary. He was an ideal soul winner. He was an ideal pastor and a teacher and a follower of Jesus, and he was a glory to God giver. In 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Let me tell you something, guys. Sometimes Christians walk the line of world and heaven, and we try to straddle it as much as we possibly can. Because our flesh loves the world, but then we realize that there's nothing for us in this world. And this all this mess in the world leaves us empty. And we need to realize that all of our focus needs to be on heaven because we're heavenly citizens. We're just a passing through this nasty world. But guys, so many times Christians wonder, what, what is, what, God, what are you good with? Are you okay with me living this way? Are you okay with me doing this? Are you okay with me doing that? Are you okay with this? Because everybody else seems to do it. So are you okay with if I do it? Lord, I believe that, oh, I know your Bible says what's wrong or what's right. 
but I think, God, you'll bend the rules just for me. Now, those rules are for everybody else, but for me and my house, I think we'll be just fine. Guys, I want you to understand something. God is not in anything dirty. God is not in anything that is a lie. God is not in anything that is vile. God is not in bad. God is in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And if we want to question, if you want to question it, is God in this? If you would be ashamed of God seeing it right there with you doing it, and you, my friend, understand that it ain't what you need to be doing. And we tend to think that God isn't seeing us. He is seeing us. I tell the youth so many times, we think that God is so distant, but the Bible says that if you are a believer today, he sticks with you closer than a brother. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That means that God goes with us in the bad and he's with us in the good. And that means that every time a Christian is living, even if it is in private, they're not the way that they should. We make our loving God who loves us and sticks with us go through the muck and the nasty with us. And he's seeing everything that we do. And every time that our eyes see something that they sh- it shouldn't see, every time our mouth says something that it shouldn't say, every time we go somewhere we shouldn't go, we make our Lord go with us. And oh, how it must make him weep. Oh, how it must hurt his heart. But thank goodness for his conviction that draws us back out of that mess. But Paul wanted better, better for others. And these are the kind of people that we need to be following today. And I'm going to ask you today, what kind of example are you? Not in talk, but in action. Could anyone follow you as an example? If everybody had to follow you this morning, what kind of example would we be? Would anybody be witness to? Would anybody know about Jesus? Would anybody know what it means to walk in purity? Would anybody know what it means to have faith? Would anybody understand that I can follow this person because I know they love Jesus? Or would they say, man, following him is easy because he sure don't do a thing for God. Guys, we must answer that question this morning. What kind of example are we? Next, he says, follow the good example. Follow those that are following Jesus. But then he gives a strong statement. And look at verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Guys, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord... Is of God. Not everybody that says, man, I love Jesus, loves Jesus. Not everybody that says they, my, they love godly things really love godly things. Now, it's not my spot to judge. It's not my spot. I got to own up to what I am with God. Only me and the Lord know whether I'm saved. You don't even know if I'm saved. You know that. You don't know my heart. You don't know who I am. Really, you don't know the inner me? That is between me and my Lord. Now, I'm telling you as a witness today that I'm saved. 
because I've trusted only Jesus and he's changed my life and I've turned my life to him. And he says, I promised you that I would save you, but my friend, I can't answer that for you. I can't answer that for this world and I can't answer that even for Hillcrest Baptist Church. Now I hope and pray that everybody in here is saved. I hope and pray that once we get to our heavenly citizenship that we're all going to be there. That is my hope and that is my prayer. But guys, we must understand that Paul said, there are those amongst you that are enemies of the cross. That means that we must protect our mind, body, and soul that not everybody has got the best for us. Not everybody has got a godliness on their heart. As many people that want to see you grow in Christ, there is another who wants you to grow with them. Not everybody wants you to grow towards Jesus in holiness. In fact, there are people that you would be shocked the moment that you start striving for Jesus and you're running the race for Christ. There are people that will come in your path and try their best to pull you back to where they are. And if you're not careful, you'll fall right back to where you were. My friend, you got to learn to shake them off and move on. You got to understand that you got to have enough awareness. You got to have enough discernment to say, This person don't want what's best for me. I'm striving for what God wants for me. And I believe that is the only way to pull that person up to where God wants them because they want company. They want you to, uh, to, to bend to what they believe. My friend, you go by what the Bible says. But they, the Paul says they are enemies of the cross. Was he talking about Judaizers who added to the law? Was he talking about those who lived in sin and took advantage of grace? Or was he talking about counterfeit Christians? I believe he was talking about all three. Those who profess Jesus but in reality oppose the gospel. The cross wasn't their greatest boast. The ethics weren't consistent with their profession. Have you ever met people that way? Have you ever met folks that way where their profession is not consistent with the life that they live? Guys, we must have enough awareness and enough discernment to guard ourselves from that. I believe that is a false religion that is creeping into our churches like crazy. That you can have Jesus and live as you want to live. That there is no holiness, that there is no righteousness, that there is no spirit. There is nothing that God is good with absolutely everything and he's fine with absolutely everything. My friend, he's not. Now I understand that every single person in here is going to struggle. All of us struggle with the flesh. And all of us struggle with the Spirit. But my friend, you ain't going to be happy. To, and if you have trusted only Jesus to save you, you are never going to have happiness in this world until you go all in for Jesus. But Paul warns, do not be drawn away by them. He says, they want to bring our focus to earthly things. They want to bring our focus to self and sin. In fact, they are enemies of the cross can be in our, even in our churches, even in just right around us, and even in our families, these people can be. He says that they are going to be under destruction, they are going to be destroyed, they are going to be wasted and ruined. Guys, that's tough. And that's why Paul was weeping as he said this. It was those who reject the cross of Jesus as the only way to God. It was those who don't, do, do not accept the death of Christ as payment of sin, who does not believe that Jesus died for them. 
one who claims that there are other ways to God other than Jesus. It was those that consider the cross to be foolish. It is those that oppose Christ and other believers. They are those that try to stop others from coming to know Jesus. And sometimes those people are subtle. Sometimes they're not just right up in your face. Sometimes people are even masqueraded as people of light. You've got to have enough awareness to say, I know what the Bible says. And if the devil throws all kinds of things your way, he throws all kinds of opposition your way, he throws all kinds of stuff you say, Lord, I don't know what's real or what's not real. My friend, you've got something that is real and it is true. And if you ever question what is right, if you ever question what is good, and if you ever question what you need to do, go to God's Word. He's got all the answers. And if it is apart from God's Word, my friend, throw it off as something Satan's doing, and you say, Satan, I don't want nothing to do with it if it is apart from what Jesus says. My friend, this Bible will not lead you wrong. In fact, when we believe in this and we apply this Word... It is the best way we're going to see next week. Peace. Sweet peace comes into our hearts and our life. He says, when, but I, guys, I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you had a Holy Spirit burden all over you? When is the last time that God just, man, He just worked a work in your life and you could feel His Spirit all over you and He burdened you about something? When's the last time you have been truly burdened over your sin? When is the last time that, man, you just couldn't even sleep because you're out of the will of God? Guys, I'm telling you as a pastor, I've been there. I've been there in those moments. I've been there in those times where I was not where God wanted me to be. But my friend, he eats our lunch. And I think we need to be praying that God keeps eating our lunch until he brings us back home. But... The Bible says that God is their belly. That means that there's the people that are, their appetite is for worldly pleasures. People who are worshiping anything but God, often they are worshiping themselves. He said it is people whose glory is their shame. These are the people who boast in their sins and get angry at those who oppose them, who mind earthly things. These are the people that look through life through worldly pursuits. They're looking at programs, they're looking at jobs, they're looking at spiritual things, they're looking at morality, but they are not looking at the cross of Jesus. There is only one hope for people, and that is the way of the cross. There is only one hope for true happiness, and that is the way of the cross. There's only one hope that a man and a woman could have peace, and that is the way of the cross. Any other way is the wrong way. And any other way is going to leave you in destruction. And Paul is telling us, avoid it. Follow those who follow Jesus. Even in, sometimes in our churches, we get so distracted by worldly influence. Even right here, we can be distracted by worldly influence. And we need to be reminded about what is important. Prayer, for one. How many times have we prayed for God to change our schools, but yet we won't pray in church? How many times do we want joy and happiness in our home and we want worship in our home, but we won't even worship God in His house? We want God to change the world, but we won't even let God change us. I'm telling you, it's time to get back to the basics of us and our individual walk with Christ. 
How many times do we get worked up over the pain on the walls? We get worried about the songs that are played. We get worried about what everybody else is doing, but we don't get worked up one bit about sin. We don't get worked up about witnessing. And we don't get worked up about living for Jesus, but we get worked up over everything else. My friend, put things where they need to belong. And I'm telling you, everything else will fall where it needs to be. we got to stop getting worked up about everything else that does not matter when people are going to hell. God wants us to focus on Him and Him alone. Satan is fine with church buildings. Y'all know that. Satan is perfectly fine with this church standing here. He is perfectly fine with a church being on every single corner. He doesn't care about them. He doesn't care about choirs. He doesn't care about deacons. He doesn't care about Sunday school teachers. He doesn't care about preachers. He doesn't care about absolutely any of it if the Spirit of God isn't there. My friend, it matters if the people of God who are claiming it are going with the Spirit of God, that they're leaning on Jesus and that they are filled with the Holy Ghost. There's only one thing that Satan gets all worked up about. He don't care how much I do. He cares if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and that God is working. And he will do anything and everything to stop it. Guys, you know how many churches stand today that used to be And I'm telling you that we say God is in them, that God is there. And I believe just like the church of Revelation, he is beating on the outside. Why don't you just let me back into my home? You're doing all these things, but I'm not even there. Guys, let us put God at his rightful place. Let us understand that this is God's house and that we are God's people, and that we are heavenly citizens. We are just pilgrims passing through this land. We are not worldly, but we are supposed to be godly. But as long as the Holy Spirit isn't there, he is fine with it. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in all of Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I believe Satan would have been absolutely fine if all those people would have went to the uttermost as long as God wasn't with them. But God says, I have filled you with the Holy Ghost, and I have given you power. Don't you know, my friend, if you are saved today, you have the Holy Ghost power all over you. Man, we just need to understand that it is... I think too many times Christians think it has to do with them. Let me tell you something, my friend. Anybody that's talked to me, spoke to me, uh, been in youth with me, and you know me behind closed doors, when I get to talking out of this pulpit, I can't hardly get any words out. I remember the day that I was at Ball State and I was taking the speech classes. And I remember I was telling that entire class of how to change their oil. And I was a nervous wreck. And I got up there and I was like, uh, duh, 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 uh, you change your old, you, 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 uh, uh, yeah, duh, duh, duh. That's me. And apart from God's power, that's you. But when God goes before us, he slays giants. When God goes before us, he shuts the mouths of lions. When he goes before us, it's not about us, it's about him. 
and it is His power. And so many people, so many Christians think it still has to do with them. My friend, get out of the way and just trust God. He will do the rest. Are you full of the Holy Spirit this morning? Guys, this week I was fired up. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Bowling Green. <laughs> Me and Gina and the girls just a couple nights ago went to a restaurant called Samurai's. And it's a Japanese restaurant. It's one of those places they cook in front of you and all that stuff, right? Well, this is one of my old restaurants. And I love these guys in this place. I, they were always one of my favorite customers. They were always so good to me. They gave me food whenever I would deliver. And they were one of mine, man. They, they like, Brandon, you want something? Amen. Yes, I do, sir. <laughs> and I remember these guys. And, and you don't realize how God's using you. All I know is that the Bible says that we got to be faithful to plant. we got to be faithful to water. we got to be faithful that somebody's going to come and reap. And I remember these guys in this place are all from Micronesia. They're all from halfway across the world. And their entire family came to the United States seven or eight years ago. And I would go into this restaurant every single week and talk to them. You get to know folks. And there was a guy named Tommy there, and he would always sign my checks. And I would get to talk to Tommy about Jesus, and I would get to talk to him about, man, do you go to church? Do you get to talk? Do you, you, know, do you do it? And, then, you know, the, 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 during this time, they even lost their brother on a motorcycle wreck. And so that was a time that you got to witness to them. It was a time that you got to share with them. And, guys, I can honestly tell you that I never seen them come to know Jesus as I spoke to them. I never got to see Tommy say, Brandon, I want your Jesus. But this week, God just, oh, sometimes God just throws a little nugget your way to keep you going. And as we were sitting there eating, I hadn't seen them in four years. They barely recognized me. I was a little bigger. I had a goatee. But the moment I said something, hey, y'all remember me? They said, Brandy. I said, yeah, how y'all been? Let me tell you, Brandy. You know the church next door? Yeah. They've been fighting us for five years to come in. We never would. There's like ten of them that work in this restaurant. He said, I, we never would go. And this church just kept asking us to come. Every time we walk outside, man, hey, y'all come over to church. Every time we're getting out of our cars, hey, come over to church. We'd love to have you. We're right next door to you. And he said, Brandon, we went to church. And he said, I'm telling you today, this fired me up, guys. He said, our whole family got saved. Our entire family. You know what else he said? He said, Brandon, we used to drink. I don't drink no more. He said, I used to live for the world. I don't live for the world no more. He said, God has changed me. And he said to us, he said, only Jesus can do that. And I said, whoo, you fired me up, my friend. It is about Jesus and Jesus only. And I believe that God wants to do that here. This, it was an amazing time as his family were completely changed by Jesus. Let us surround ourselves with the things of God. The Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Why does this matter? Because we are pilgrims just passing through. Look in verse 20 and 21. 
It says, For our conversation is in heaven, for whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Paul was telling us, be heaven-centered. Our conversation, that word conversation means politics, which means citizenship. He's saying our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. That is where we are going, and that is what we are supposed to be. He said a citizen has allegiance to the, uh, the U.S. A, a citizen ha- defends the Constitution and laws. A citizen serves our country when required. True, and our true citizenship is in heaven. We should be serving Jesus. We should have an allegiance to Jesus. We should be doing as he's called us to do, living like believers and not worldly, focused on Christ's return, looking. The Bible says that it is a stretching out. It means the look that Paul was stretching his face out as much as he could to see the first glimpse of Jesus when he seen him again. Are we looking for Jesus or are we dread him coming? My friend, what if Jesus broke through these walls today? What if in a twinkling of an eye he said today is the day? What if in a moment right here, right now, Jesus, the trumpet blows and everything in that moment and we're up to heaven and all of a sudden, man, this is all said and done and none of it matters. You say, Brandon, you believe in all that? Yeah, the Bible says it. I believe it. And I believe that God is going to break through glory and I believe if I don't die in this world that God's going to rapture me up out of here and I'm going to be with Jesus, amen? And I can't wait to be with him. I cannot wait to see him, and I cannot wait to be there. But we must be living like believers and not worldly, focused on Christ's return, looking, ready to receive him, looking away from the world, sticking our neck out to see him, looking forward to the glorious body that we will have. Can you imagine, guys? Can you imagine that day when no more sin? Can you imagine that day when... Your mind right now goes to places that it shouldn't go, but you ain't going to struggle with that no more. Are you going to imagine that time where that doctor tells me, Brendan, skip all the fast food places because it's making you fat, but my friend, my glorious body is going to be so good and so perfect. Amen. I can't wait. I'm going to be able to run like the wind. I cannot wait for that day. Looking forward to the glorious body of no sin and perfection. But more than anything, we get to see Jesus. We get to see the one that we've been worshiping to. We get to see the one why we come to church. We get to see the one why we're Sunday school teachers. We get to see the one why we're deacons. We get to see the one face to face of why we do everything here on earth for. What a day it's going to be. But there are some who would mourn their sin if they thought they would have to let it go tonight. What if Jesus said, son, I'll save you, but you've got to trust in me. Daughter, I'll save you, but you've got to let go and let me. That means all those things in your life that are out of bounds, you've got to give them to me. I'm going to take care of them, but you've got to trust in me to give them to you. You've got to come to me by faith tonight. And that means that, yeah, the things that are out of bounds in my word, you need to be coming to me saying, God, I'm giving to you. I don't want them no more. What would you do? I think so many times people would say, Whew, I want Jesus, but I love my sin a lot. I love my lifestyle. I love this thing that I got going on. 
Man, this is really, man, this is what thrills me. This is where I get a lot of joy at right now. I'll give it to him later, but not right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Guys, what you must understand is when we give God all the bad and we give him all the nasty, he is going to fill you up with good stuff. And you ain't ever going to miss it no more. You ain't ever going to miss that old life. You're going to be happy and joyful with the new one that God's given you. But there are some who would mourn their sin. But what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. My friend, are you ready for Jesus? My friend, are you longing for heaven? My friend, do you love the things of God? Are you following godly things? Are you finding yourself being pulled away from worldly influence? Guys, the Bible says that we can repent. We're living in a time of grace right here, right now. That means that we are living under a time where thank God for His grace. That it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter anything about any of that stuff. You are living in a time where you can still follow Jesus. And all you got to do is come by faith, trusting only Jesus to save you, giving Him your heart, giving Him your life, and Jesus says, I'll do the rest. Turn back to Christ now. You say, well, Brandon, I am saved. I know that I'm saved. My, pre- my friend, repent. Repentance should be a daily thing in the Christian life. Repentance should be something that we just get up and say, Lord, I repent, because that's how much we mess up, and that's how good God is. A heart that is on repentance, turn back to Him. But if you are not a heavenly citizen, my friend, you can be, and there is nothing, nothing that you should gamble Do not gamble with your life and do not gamble with your destiny and do not gamble with forever. Within a hundred years, every single one of us in this room will be gone. In a hundred short years. I can't tell you how quick my life has already gotten to where it is and I bet you a lot of you would raise your hand and say, I feel like I was a child yesterday. The rest is going to go just as fast. The Bible says that this life is but a vapor. How true is that? That this life is but a vapor. And so many times we gamble. We get twisted up thinking that we have all the time in the world. But my friend, all you're guaranteed is this moment and this second, this time right now. Now Satan is on, he's telling you, hey, no, 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 you got time. But God, I believe, is tugging somebody by the heart right now. And he's saying, son, daughter, today's the day. Are you going to trust me? You say, Brandon, why does it matter? Because my friend, the Bible says that we will be in eternity, one place or the other. We'll either be in heaven or we'll be in hell. There used to be a pastor here in town. His name was W.L. Baker. Does anybody remember him? W.L. Baker was our interim pastor at Cedar uh, Creek when I was a little bitty kid. And I remember him giving an invitation. And he would say, why gamble with eternity? Do you know how long eternity is, my friend? And he would compare it to a sparrow. He said, have you ever seen a small sparrow? How small it is and how little it is? Yeah. And he said, have you ever went to the beach? Have you seen how many grains of sand are at that beach? He said, let me tell you what eternity is. Eternity is if that sparrow grabs one grain of sand, flies it to the moon and back, 
one grain at a time. By the time he empties out that entire beach, eternity has just begun. Get our minds wrapped around eternity. Now, my friend, we have a God and a Savior who says, I got an eternity for you. And it is with me, and it is with me forever. And I don't believe we can even imagine how good heaven is going to be. It's going to be the most glorious thing that we can ever see. And Jesus made a way on the cross for each and every single one of us that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But guys, don't you think for a minute that there isn't an adversary that is always pulling, who is always tugging, who is always trying to get right here to say, you don't need Jesus. You're fine just the way you are. My friend, do not leave this place today not knowing Christ. And you say, well, Brandon, I know I'm saved. My friend, understand what God has done for you. And maybe you're living a life of worldly influence. It's time to go back to the altar and leave the pig pens behind and go back to the Father's house. Amen. Whatever God's calling you to do, I'm right here. I'd love to pray with you. You take one step out of that seat and you come down, God will take it the rest. David's going to be here. Uh, the deacons, you grab somebody. You don't even have to grab one of us. Grab somebody that's right beside you. And guys, I guarantee you in a crowd this big, there's somebody that needs Jesus. And you say, Brandon, I can't. I can't walk out in front of all these people. My friend, that is that step of faith, putting all your faith in a mighty Savior. And my friend, He will change your life the moment that your butt leaves a seat that much. He did it for me, and He'll do it for you. He did it for others. My goodness, my friend, what would He do for you too? I believe that God is calling Hillcrest Baptist Church to a time of repentance, a time of getting real, a time of reaping, a time of sowing, and a time of watering. we got great days ahead. I believe that God's great, got us a great pastor that's coming, but Lord, let us be faithful. Let us be setting this place up. Lord, let him find us, man, ready to roll. And I believe God's got that, and I can't wait. And God, let it start with us right here.